Welcome to Footloose, the podcast where we chat with people living unconventional and nomadic lifestyles. I'm your host, Tim Bull, and I hope you'll join me as we hear stories from travellers from around the world. Last year in Egana, uh, we were contacted by Shong through a site called Couches, and you may remember that we had uh, Apelli from Couches on the podcast talking a little bit about that site. And, you know, what we decided to do was to set up Matilda as kind of a mobile couchsurfing place where people can come and stay. And Shong was the first person to respond to that. And we had a wonderful time cruising around the Saronic Gulf with him for a week. Um, we've been friends since. And when I first started the podcast, I'm going to be honest, Shong is one of the very first people that I wanted to, to interview, but it's taken a while to get us to this sort of point. Um, Shong. Welcome to the podcast and perhaps just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Um, my name is Shung. Um, I am originally from Malaysia. I grew up in the Borneo Island for the first six years. Well, for the first 18 years of my life. And I moved to the UK to did my bachelor degree in aerospace engineering and then a PhD in space physics. And I'm currently living in Sweden now for my, uh, well, I just finished my contract um, as a postdoc in space science, um, and so if anyone yeah, listening, last year. <laughs> so if anyone listening is looking for someone with a PhD in space physics, Shong is available. <laughs> I am available, uh, ready to mingle in the uh, in the in the job opportunity. But yeah, thank you for having me last year, Tim, uh, uh, hosting me in Matilda. It was such a great fun. <laughs> it was a really good time. It was a really good time. So tell me first a little bit about like, you know, couch, couch surfing and, and couches. So is that something that you'd done before? Just find a random stranger on the internet and go and stay with them? Or was this the first time for you? No, it's not. Um, so I started traveling with couch surfing actually initially, which is in 2011 um, as a mean of meeting people because I'm usually traveling by myself. So I like to meet people. Um, I've met wonderful people through couch surfing for five years, eight years actually, until it went. Um, I don't know how, how how you call it privatized. Yeah, yeah or, they they became more commercial. They added a, a yeah. paywall to it. Yeah, um, and the fact that I knew how it all began. Um, so I was trying to find the same, but with the previous principle that I've had before and I stumbled across uh, couches uh, last year um, and actually Tim you are the first one and the only one I've met through couches <laughs> it's, <laughs> well, a, it's very a small but growing community <laughs> it is it is growing every week I still get an email about it um, but yeah that's how I all began using it um, for the love of traveling and meeting people actually um, and I've get I have great fun um, with it. There are people that I stay with my, you know, uh, stay with my life that I keep in touch with all the time. Yep. And uh, so, where are some of the places that you've you've travelled to? You know, using couch surfing. Oh, actually, uh, uh, four continents. I think <laughs> I've used it mainly in Europe because mm -hmm. when I was studying in the, in the UK, I use it a lot in Europe, Eastern Europe. Uh, but I, I think I usually like, I don't know, 30 times in Europe, I guess. And then I did backpack in Africa as well. Um, so I, I stay with a number of them. 
Um, and then when I was in Asia, so I think I did it in Thailand and in Vietnam. Um, and then in the States, yes, I, 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 on the East Coast, I did it a few times as well. Um, and was it, it, it was fine. Yeah. And, and was it a, is it for you, is it like a, is it primarily a cost thing or is it, it's actually much more about the community and the people that you meet? Uh, in the beginning, it's a good, like I would say 50%, 50% uh, it's cost and to meet people uh, because I was a student back then, um, financials, struggling. But then as soon as I had the first experience, it was in Venice um, and then I was hosted in the Venice island itself. And then um, uh, Giacomo and Ilaria, actually, I met them. And then that was the first time I used it. And then I've been met for another four to five times afterwards. Um, and then after that time, for me, um, using platform like couch surfings or couches are purely to meet people, to be able to, you know, have an emotional relationship link mm -hmm. to people from the countries rather than travelers who just travel from places to places which were great you get share story but to know to know people and to interact with them on the local extent it feels it feels great like it, you feel like you are really connected to to the area uh and obviously, I met a lot of uh, people who travel, uh, like like Tim and Karina yourself, um, yep. who like to you know host people on the boat. Um, um, I've met uh, people like like you guys as well. Super friendly, super accommodating. Um, I don't know. It it it's been great fun. <laughs> um, it changed my perspective about traveling rather than just seeing places and places. Um, yep. You could actually just put me to a country and not let me see any I don't know famous building, famous architecture. I'm okay with it. But I would love that the things that I cherish the most is the interactions with, with people that I met on mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Oh, that, that's really sweet. I think that's a, that's a great kind of you know way to look at travel. I mean, I think you know we've talked with this about a, a couple of people on the podcast, right? Like it's not just you know the buildings. At some point, you get sick of seeing famous old things, and you want to actually go a little bit deeper and get to know people and get to understand them and their culture and, and what they're doing. Um, so. Take us back now. You mentioned that you you uh, grew up in Indonesia in, on Borneo. Um, when was when do you first remember traveling? Like, what's your first experience of sort of traveling? Um, maybe first outside of Borneo, or then outside of Indonesia. Um, Malaysia. Malaysia. Way. Sorry, uh, my mistake. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so I, I, I grew up, so, so my father works as a tree cutter when I was young. So we actually lived nomadically uh, when we were young. So we moved around the jungle, actually, the jungle jungle. Um, after, you know, my father cut that patch of trees in the area and I was to move around. Um, so for me, growing up, the world is as big as the island itself. I don't even know if it's an island, the, the idea of an island. Uh, I didn't know. So we went to the beach, things like that, a few, uh, a few times, and I was always, and I never knew. No one, nobody ever told me that there are lands beyond the the beach. Um, but then, as soon as I went to school, when I was like eight years old, nine years old, I think, um, and I come across to me that there are places like you know we first learned about England because there were the the, the colonized Malaysia at that mm -hmm. time, mm -hmm. Japanese things like that. Then we realized, I realized that there were places beyond the horizons, as cliche as it sounds. 
and then from that point onwards, my 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 point of view sort of just click, and then it was like, oh, I want to see all of those land be beyond because I didn't know anything before, and then suddenly told me this information, I just got super interested in it, and that was the time I think that I got myself into very much traveling. Um, first time out of Borneo, I think it was my. Uh, I think I went to West Malaysia with my parents. Um, I don't remember much now, and then I think we went somewhere else. Uh, and then afterwards, we went to Japan. I think um, I, I have like five siblings, uh, and then for some reason, my parents only brought me to Japan at that time. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, no, I gotta admit I'm like the favorite child because I'm the youngest, right? Um, that was the first time I, I I went out of. I took my first flight mm-hmm. while well, transiting in West Malaysia, uh, but that was my first time. Yes. Wow. And and tell us a little bit more about your family. So you you said your dad was a woodcutter, um, and yes, you have. Was it? Did you say five siblings? I'm the youngest of six. Yeah. You're youngest of six, and. I, if I recall correctly, um, I think this is relevant, right? Because you've gone on, you, you now have this PhD in, you know, in space physics. And then um, some of your siblings are still illiterate. Is that right? That they don't read and write? Uh, yeah. Um, both my brothers. Uh, you're, um, yeah, reading and writing is not their things, but they're very good in other things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but I mean, it's a big, that's a big, uh, it's a big leap, right? To come from the deepest, darkest jungles of Borneo, so to speak, and now end up in, in Sweden studying space phenomena. Um, so how did that kind of, how did that happen? Like there must've been, because it wasn't your parents necessarily that pushed you into this. I think you've also said that your mother doesn't really understand what it is that you do. I think there was a funny conversation we had. Tell, tell us about what she said when you went back to get your PhD. Right. Um, okay, answer that question first, and then we'll go back to the Sorry, second yeah. one. Uh, um, so after I finished my bachelor degree, um, and I think I, I was that before I, I forgot. So I, I told my mother that no, it was after that I finished my defense of my PhD thesis. I think I told my mother I was like, but I just I I. I I finished it. Finally, I got my PhD. I'm now Dr. Chong. And then my mom was very skeptical. My mom was like, um, but you're not studying medicine, so you're not going to help people. I said, no, not that kind of doctor, but academic doctor. Uh, it's another degree. It's the highest degree. And then my mom was actually quite disappointed. My mom, my mom told me that, uh, wow, my friend's child only needs one degree and then he can find some jobs now. And then you need two that means that you have not done enough. You're not good enough. That, no, 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 that's not, that's not true. Um, it's, it's, it's like, one of the people, I have to tell them what that, what, what it means to have like a PhD, like the level between, let's say you go from college to bachelor to master and then to PhD. She didn't quite get that yet. Um, it's a challenge, so, obviously, uh, not, not part of what her, her world had encompassed, right? No, it wasn't. So, which I think brings it back to that sort of initial question then, which is, uh, you know, wasn't your parents that were pushing you to do this study? What was it? How did that come about? What what drove you to sort of succeed academically, really, and, and you know, go down the path that you have? Yeah. Um, so none of my siblings actually enjoy studying, let's put it that way. Well, 
in, in, in school, for instance, but they're very hand, hands-on skills. Uh, but my mother, I think they tried, she, she tried really hard with my five brothers and sisters. Uh, but to her, nothing seems to work out, I think. So I think when it comes to me, she's sort of like, okay, she'll just do whatever you want. You know, if you want to study. <laughs> so I moved out of my house when I was, when I was 12 years old, actually. Um, I, I moved to a uh, town called Kotakinabalu, which is two hours away from my hometown. And then five of us, 12 years old from the same town, we rented a, a house where there's a host living there. So cooking for us, washing for us. But with five of us, imagine five children of 12 years old living in the same house, going to school together. Uh, so my mom gave me a lot of freedoms uh, on what I want to do. Um, and then fortunately, I could do well in school. Um, I, I am good with exams. Um, and then that bring me up to have an opportunity to, to, to study abroad with some scholarships. Um, and for me, I think that brings back to what I talked earlier was that um, I've always wanted to go out of Malaysia to see more places. So, yeah. um, and then I really wanted to just go abroad. Anywhere is fine for me. Um, and I knew education was a perfect way or a, a way that I could do it mm-hmm. to go abroad, mm-hmm. for, for instance, to study. I've tried to, you know, I, I used to play tennis competitively as well, um, which I got sent to other countries for competitions, but not as good. So I, I don't make it that far. So I probably could go out of the country for like two times a year. Right. Uh, but then I realized that studying is very important. I can get me further places. Uh, for instance, you know, now I'm a student. It's, I don't think it's possible if I don't study. So I, I think that also played part of it. Um, why I would like to study. Um, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. And, uh, and so, yeah, you received some scholarships and things, and then you completed your high school degree. And then, excuse me. Oh, goodness. Excuse me. Um, you completed, and then you completed your high school degree. And then did you study in uh, Malaysia first or did you go straight to the UK? I went straight to the UK. Um, so I did a, um, I went to a private Chinese school. Um, so we did a very different certificate. So at that time, it allows me to go to UK directly, direct entry, but it has to... It, it, we have to do very well with our exams in order mm-hmm. to be accepted which I am quite fortunately be able to do so um, which is not what I did but here I'd also like to mention that my parents actually um, so my, my father started with a tree cutter but then afterwards uh, business is growing as we all know the environmental part of it <laughs> um, so he ends up owning a, a small company of uh, logging transportations wise okay so she has he has a few trucks uh, yep. that's working so other people cut the trees and then he'll be the one that transfer the trees out of the place so what they did were at that time was that uh i didn't get fully funded so they actually sold one of the trucks to fund me to study uh in order to for me to go to the uk to study um i would say they took a gamble on me they yep. didn't necessarily understand or know what I wanted to do with it. Mm-hmm. They didn't agree with what I wanted to do with my educations, but um, they thought it might be a good idea. Uh, nobody has tried it. Um, so, so there I went. I would, I'd like to mention that uh, they, they met 
a bit of uh, yeah, quite a sacrifice, a big, a big sacrifice for you. But I mean, yeah, I think exactly. that's 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 amazing. I mean, I think that's what parents do, right? They, the the good yeah. parents look after their kids and try and help them <laughs> help them along their way. And uh, even if they don't fully understand it, even if they think perhaps you only really needed to do one degree, they were still there behind you, supporting <laughs> you along the way, which I think is amazing. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, unfortunately, my father passed away uh, in my first year of my study. Um, so from then on, I knew that I wouldn't have enough money to do, let's say, to further study, to, do, to, to go on with a master degree on... It's very difficult in the UK to get a master degree uh, with a scholarship, yes, uh, fully funded. So, um, and then I, I did a three-year bachelor, and I met a really my my uh, my PhD supervisor, where he was uh, offered me a PhD, but I have to do very well in the exams, uh, which dragged me to work really hard at that time, uh, so that I could do a PhD without a master degree as well. Uh, and my bachelor was only three years at the time, um, so you know. On, on my journey until Sweden now, I mean, it's still a long journey to go, but I've met great people who helped me all along the way or who were able to understand. And I like to say this, that people took a gamble on me, mm-hmm. uh, not knowing what I'm capable of, I guess, uh, which I forever appreciate. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so what was it like arriving in Sweden? Um, I mean, I can't think of two places. They're fairly, fairly disparate, right? I imagine that you know, growing up in Malaysia, very equatorial, very tropical, rainstorms, humid, quite warm. Sweden, not so much those things. Snow, which you probably hadn't experienced much before then, if at all. Um, how did you find adjusting to life in Sweden? <laughs> it's pole apart, I think, literally as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Growing up in Malaysia, it's a tropical jungle where you know people go there for um uh, honeymoon because you have the exotic animals exotic beach exotic weather and as you said the coldest thing i've seen in my life was the the ice in the freezer um and then now i live in the uh sweden which is in the near to the arctic circle i would also call it describe it as exotic i would say um I've never experienced it. So at the moment, it's everything white outside. It's minus two at the moment. It's spring, but spring doesn't exist yet. Uh, <laughs> so just just for the record, it's uh, it's what mid-April now. Oh yeah, get, coming up to the middle of April at the moment. So it's still yeah. still snow on the ground. They're still below freezing. Yeah, it will stay because I'm so far up north. Uh, it will stay until May, beginning of May, and then in June, maybe the ground won't be frozen anymore. Okay. Maybe. Just so you're you're actually up a you're above the Arctic Circle or right on the Arctic Circle. Just below the Arctic Circle. Just below like the Arctic. One circle. degree off, one degree or two degrees south of the Arctic Circle. Wow, and and that's so that you can do your your research, the program. That no, um, it's it's famous for it, but I did not do the research because uh, I'm uh, near to the Arctic Circles. Uh, it's just there's a space group over here and then I, I found a job and then I came here. Uh, what I do, or what I did actually for my for my postdoc is not related to, to the locations wise. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, and then, so, okay. And so there's that, but not only the weather, of course, the, you know, coming from being equatorial where, you know, it's like 12 hours day, 12 hours night. Now you've got what, endless night and endless day. That must be a yes. hard adjustment. You've been there for a few years, but. 
That must be different. Yeah. I won't call it hard. I, I call it exciting because for me, I, I always want to experience new things. So that was quite exciting for me. Um, it wasn't tough for me the first time I had the 24, 23 hours uh, nighttime because it was all exciting for me that I get to tell my friends that, oh, it was so dark. And then we get to see Aurora as well, Northern Light. Yep. Uh, I like to make fun of my uh, my friends was like, oh, in the night it was, I have to close the curtain, even though it's so dark because the aura was so bright, it, it bothers <laughs> my sleep. Uh, and then my, my friend got usually get quite um, annoyed by that because oh, everybody wanted to see it, I, I guess. A lot of people wanted to see it. Oh, yeah, we definitely wanted uh, to see it. Yeah, and it, we could see it here. And so in Malaysia, we grew up with um, animals. Let's say you have the monkeys everywhere. Mm-hmm. I grew up seeing the elephants as well, the proboscis monkey, all the exotic things I can think of. But here, when we went out driving, we can see reindeers, moose. Well, those are the two animals that you see, actually. So nothing much. Any, any it's quite exotic in one sense. If no, there's no polar bear here, I think. Well, that's yeah, probably right. a good thing. <laughs> I, hear <they're> quite, <laughs> I hear they're quite dangerous. They can be dangerous, yeah. I, I assume so. We'll see if I move further up north in the Svalbard. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, well, yeah, that is that. Well, Svalbard's always an interesting place to go. I think isn't Svalbard one of the few country or few regions that you can go and live in that you don't actually need um, any visa or anything? It's got some independent status. So yeah, I some, think so. Some uh, interesting I kind think... of history for that. Um, and so, okay, so you're in Sweden. You're looking for a role. I mean, I guess it's probably fair to say that. You know, you'll go where the work is, right? Like wherever the work is, that's where you want to go. But is there sort of a preference for for Sean, for you, where you'd like to go next, where you want to end up? Um, it's a perfect question. It's a perfect time. Uh, I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, the question was whether I want to stay in. Um, am I comfortable here? Yes, I'm comfortable. Uh, we are also thinking to start a family here. Uh, but at the same time, part of the adventures in me wanted to, ex- I feel like I have more, more patience, more energy to explore. So I have been, um, uh, I was thinking if I should live in South America for like a year or two, because I, I'm still, I could, I could do it if I want to. Uh, do I have to? Do I need to? Uh, if I have a preference, uh, I think in Europe, I'll try to stay in Europe because of the, um, um, I've, I've entered a culture instead of work balance, the um, the health insurance, for instance, the, mm-hmm. the public health here, I think they were great, um, but no particular countries in mind yet. Uh, honestly, it really depends on the job, as you say, Tim. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Uh, and then the... Um... So if you if you were sort of talking to someone who was going to go to Borneo, what would be your advice to them? What do you think that they should see? What, what sort of someone who is going to Borneo? Ooh. Um, I didn't realize how beautiful or how precious my hometown was until I left it. Um, you know, seeing monkeys all around was annoying growing up because there were <laughs> new things. Um, and then this kind of, you, you can see like, you know, pythons, it happened a few times in my house. They would just like go in your backyard. Um, lots of animals that's going to kill you. Uh, they all were there. Um, so now when you ask me visiting it, I'll say hundred percent, you should 
you should totally see the Borneo Islands at its core. We have the mountains, we have, let's say, we have the proboscis monkey, which is the only species of monkey that does, couldn't eat banana. Um, we have the orangutan, where they are endemic in the Borneo Island. We have the rafflesia, the biggest flower in the world that eats animal and stings, apparently. Um, and you have the food, my goodness, I miss the food so much. Um, yeah. It's the cultures that blend between different races, different, not races, cultures, I guess, uh, because it's so well mixed. We have a big populations of the Chinese, uh, the Indians, um, and the uh, Portuguese, when they first arrived in, in, in Malaysia, so the food were amazing. And then the fruits um, and the vegetable, um, shopping here in, in Europe, you probably have like a few types. You know, you have the broccoli, you have the, the things that, you know, you, you would see in the market. But back, back home, rice itself, we have a stall that just sell rice and then you can buy like from 45 sacks types yeah. of them. Wow. Um, different kind of rice, vegetable, you would have like 25 different green colors, different, different types of it. Um, so that's the food part. And then you can do, so when people talk about safari, you talk, you probably, the first thing comes to mind is that, you know, the savannah, uh, safari in Africa, in the, uh, in, yep. in the wild, but then back home, you, you can do safari where you go on a river boat and then you can see the habitats of the crocodile, um of the uh the 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 older monkeys uh it's very special to see my first sight of the orangutan carrying the baby jumping from trees to tree those were amazing and then the firefly we have the we don't have we don't really celebrate christmas there at the time but then we have we call it a christmas tree where the fireflies were full of it on on the trees and then they all blinks uh in a synchronized manner. So wow. it, yeah. it's literally buzzing um, like a Christmas tree. It's huge, uh, very big. And then there's no light pollution. So you see it very clearly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can go on and on. Uh, no, no, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, yeah. You're making me want to go. <laughs> I want to eat this food. With the boat. <laughs> yeah, well, with the boat, maybe a big challenge. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like there is a story in there about monkeys stealing things. You mentioned that the monkeys uh, yeah. are annoying; they steal things. Tell us what happened there. What's an example of that? Um, so, again, back to how I grew up is that we live nomadically. Uh, yes. That also means that there is um, uh, the house or the perimeter is very simple. Um, there's no fence or anything to because uh, you you don't build it. Uh, so that means that whatever you have in the kitchen or whatever you call the kitchen where you put the food, uh, those will be the playground of the monkeys if they could get to it. Right. Um, so they will be, they, they will steal your food. They don't necessarily eat them, but they will just take them away uh, from you. Yeah, um, sounds like that's pretty annoying. <laughs> uh, it can be very annoying. So um, there are also people uh, where I grew up, they would, um, What's the right word, team? Is that catch them to, yes. let's say, lock them up so they would trap them. So they would trap the, the monkeys and then put them up in a, in a cage mm-hmm. because they were annoying. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was the right thing to do when I was there. But then, you know, after moving out of it, I, I don't think that was the right way to do it. But the, the, 
there, there are things like that you can see that you experienced back there. Yep. Yep. Fair enough. Um, Oh, that's that's yeah. I, that certainly brings a challenge to to growing up and cooking when you know presumably um, food isn't always easy to come by, and then you have to contend with monkeys coming into the kitchen and walking off with some of it as well. Uh, yeah, very very interesting. It is very fascinating to me. I think you've had an amazing kind of an amazing life story to get to to this point. So, <laughs> where's where's next for you in travel? You know, what is it that you really want to? to see if there's one place that Sean could go where would you go and why can I have three you can have three that's <laughs> okay. fine one um, um, Georgia and Azerbaijan the Caucasians um, mountains area okay those were the things that I've always wanted to go um, why uh, I've always thought about going back to the Patagonia I've lived that re- regions um um, and actually, Tim, um, I was going to ask you, but later, uh, I, I might be heading back to Greece and uh, uh, in, in, in June. Well, I'm uh, honoured that we're in your top three. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But we'll talk more about that later. Uh, but yes, the answer is yes, of course. No problems at all. <laughs> um, the, why, why Georgia? What is it about that region, Azerbaijan? And I love mountains. Um, and... Uh, it, it's also famous for the hospitability, hospitability of the people there. Yeah. Um, um, I would like to experience that. Um, I have had a great experience. Let's say I want to bring the story of Albania. Um, for some reasons, when I tell my friends about Albania, nobody has like a good experience about it uh, in Albania, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why, but they were one of the friendliest people that I've met on the road. Uh, people took me in without us without even knowing my language mm-hmm. uh, when I was hiking there. Um, I got lost, um, so I stayed two nights at a uh, random places that I just knocked on doors. Um, and I loved that experience. So I thought, I'm not going to plan to try to be lost on purpose in Georgia when I was hiking, but yeah. I like to meet people on the way. <laughs> and to have the uh, local interactions with them. And the, uh, they have great mountains to start with. Uh, I like to do a bit of camping, hiking, uh, multi-day hikes by myself. And the food, I've heard a lot about it, that I've not tried Georgian food. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think that's why I, I, I wanted to go back there. I, I want to go uh, visit there. Excellent. And then final kind of question for you. You've obviously... You know, you've obviously had a lot of experience now traveling. Um, you've spent a lot of time interacting with people. What, what do you think is sort of the most important quality that, that you know, people should bring with them when they travel? Right? What, what do you, what's your advice for travelers, particularly, say, someone going to a new country that, you know, is a little bit unusual, say, like Georgia? You know, how do, how do you approach that? What would you be saying to people that want to tackle something like, like that, a more adventurous kind of travel? Um. That's a great question, Tim. I don't have the correct answer, but what I would like to tell my uh, 18 years old self would be to, uh, uh, I don't know in English, is the, uh, don't be judgmental mm-hmm. uh, to, and then open up and, uh, <laughs> um, and be, be yourself and be nice, be nice to people and be open to, you know, to listen to the story because 
or to listen to people because that's when you would be you get the chance to interact with people it's not just about you for instance um i love collecting stories when i was there i guess you remember tim i asked you probably your entire family history when i was there because i'm genuinely interested in it and then that's something that uh can um no no you are not just a face you are a person with your own history um that everything of you is in that pack for me um you are bigger than what i know you from mm-hmm. you know not just because you are sailing but then i knew you were a great person you have like two beautiful kids uh, how you educate them uh, how what is the what is your goal for them or what you would like for them things like that um those i still remember clearly in my in my head uh, but back to traveling oh um well, i think that that is part of it right like that that's part of it if yeah. i was to summarize <laughs> what you what you're saying it's the um it's yeah you, you you're traveling with an open mind you're traveling to get to know people it's you're not a it sounds a little bit to me like you're not a um it's it's not so much about the destination. I mean, you said that before, right? It's not, you know, I'm not going to Paris to see the Eiffel Tower. I'm going to Paris to meet Parisians, or for example. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it would yes. be nice to see the Eiffel Tower whilst you're also there, but that that yeah. that's how you get to kind of <laughs> unpick a country and start to discover a little bit more yeah. about it. That was right. Yes. <laughs> Did that help? <laughs> I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, no, no. It, it, yeah. it is true. Um, Yes, it is true because, uh, but when I started, I wanted to see the country. I wanted to see Venice, for instance. That was my first destinations, uh, the first time I backpack. Um, I've seen it. It, it, it was great. Um, I, I've I've seen all the famous places, uh, but what stuck with me is the interaction that I've had with the people there. Um, that's the one that stays with me. Uh, forever, I, I guess, as for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, the place is going to be there all the time, so it's going to be there too. But it's the stories that that I will tell you, I will share with you, I will share with other people. It's the story that, that I've had there, not telling you how beautiful the 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 the, the, the canals are, but I will tell you what I've what I've done there. Rather, I, I love that sentiment. It's it's a it's not how beautiful the building is; it's how beautiful the people are. Yeah, <laughs> it's true though. <laughs> Yeah, uh, excellent. Well, Sean, that's um, that's a great spot for us to kind of wrap up. Thank you so much for your time. I hope this has been enjoyable for you. I've really enjoyed uh, you know, getting to, I guess, relive some of the stories that we'd shared on the boat. Um, and uh, I wish you all the best with your job hunt. And as I say, anyone out there that's looking for a PhD in uh, <laughs> space physics, <laughs> I know a guy. Thank you. Thank you, Tim, for having me. It's been great. It's been fun. Thanks a lot, Sean. Thanks for listening to this episode of Footloose. Feedback is always welcome at Timbull on Twitter. That's T-I-M-B-U-L-L. Catch you next time.